We're on a road that's better traveled with some company. We've learned a few things and where we lack. We have connected with people who are more knowledgeable about business and entrepreneurship. Are you a creative entrepreneur looking to level up and learn from some of the best in the business? Maybe you're uncertain about how to find new clients, manage your finances, or you're just trying to make your business more sustainable. Then tune into the Have Network podcast. Join us, Rush Studios, as we bring you the best insights from some of the freshest perspectives in business. Hashtag Together for the Win Conference on this year Global Entrepreneurship Week. All right, so there is um, a group of I think Pretoria-based event organizers that have challenged the Department of Arts and Culture regarding mainly funding amongst amongst other things. I mean, I don't want to go into, we could sit here the whole night, but I want to find out, you know, in challenging the Department of Arts and Culture and in a sense government in terms of how they engage young creative entrepreneurs. With this noise that this group has made, what do you think is going to change in terms of how government, departments of arts and culture, funding models, um, how they engage young entrepreneurs such as yourself? Yo, I I, I don't know, maybe I'm a a party pooper or too much of a realist, but I don't think anything is going to change Mm -hmm. with with the current narrative. I mean, yes, we'll see one or two wins here and there but until we get to a point where we make the decisions on how we can navigate the funding and so forth and decisions we're not going to get it because i'll i've had this, this i've had this fight for yo like years where you knock on doors and they tell you about you have to jump through 10 hoops just for you to be considered you now have to jump 10 hoops just for you to be considered. And then the other hoop has got fire, the other one's got snakes, the other one is, I'm just like, no. So for me, I've come to the fact, maybe I will learn, I will come to the fact that there's, we are, the, this country is in, two, in like parallel. There is the government work, what the government does. The government says, yeah, we do this thing. We're gonna give, we've given 50,000 to 50,000 kids, we've given them loans, buzzers. That's their narrative, that's their South Africa, it's their self. And there's our South Africa. And our South Africa doesn't have government. It's like, chief, I need ten, I need a thousand rand. Can I borrow 200 rand here, 100 here, 50 there, 50 there. I'll make the thousand and then we make it. So we are here, we are operating parallel, parallel states, They're like a parallel state. So that's where I've come to realize that this is where we are. This is the real truth. And rather run with that than having to look the other side, and like, ah, oh, Marcus, when are we gonna get this tender? Nah, it's okay. Let's I keep think, going. <laughs> I think I'm actually gonna echo what you're saying. It's quite like I actually think the government of arts and culture is quite embarrassing. So, um, when I was with my previous nine to five, I was doing communications for like this NPO, right? And so they would do like science, maths, whatever, 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 because you know, fourth industrial revolution, and 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 and. Four IR. So, so we would actually go to schools in the townships and try and find out. We gave you a science lab, a state of the art science lab. Why are you not using it? Why are your grades not improving? Then I find out that our teacher is teaching science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
and hello teachers teaching science so it's basically that the arts and culture government it's like someone who started accounting randomly it's like hey come and do this they don't even understand the industry literally so it's basically that so how do you even navigate that how like i think it's something that happens that has to happen within the government first before they can even try and do anything for the outside or for artists really yeah so i was gonna say it's a holistic government problem mm-hmm. it's not just the department of arts and culture it's the smme's department finance department it's everyone and it goes back down to information right south african likes to speak about the fourth industrial revolution you go onto a government site and tell me if you can find information about how to get funding yeah and if you do please email me so i can get it as well right just send me the link <laughs> because yeah genuinely it's not we're talking about a country that's extremely corrupt right but then even in its corruption because i don't believe I think corruption sometimes only applies to black people. White people are corrupt, guys. Is the originals? They just know how to do it better, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about a country that's inherently extremely corrupt. That I must know, Cebu, and before Cebu signs this thing off, she must, I must give her a brown envelope of ten thousand, and then Cebu's also going to take two years to pay me. I, that's what scares me about working with government. Is like I'm about to do a million rand project with you. and then you're going to take me 2 years to pay me in fact i don't want it right mm. so it's for me it's a holistic systemic problem in south africa where as she's mentioned you have people holding positions that they don't understand why is saa being run by someone who's never done aviation <laughs> what what are you, what are you on about who well, has a simple understanding in aviation right how does not team total go from police to agriculture <laughs> so the conversation that happened this week was extremely important in that it it unearthed the conversation of of more people understanding the things that, i mean i've been applying to arts and culture department for years and every year there's something maybe i get lost in the system or the person who, who works there no longer works there with departments it's a holistic south african problem yes we have unearthed and started the conversation and then for me that's where your 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 voting rights come into it because if you still have the same people rotating over and over and over again in ministries and you keep voting for that same party and then you want to wake up and be shocked when they don't give you funding where all they've done is move big teller from somewhere else to police again do you understand what i mean so For me it's it's a bigger problem than just saying the department of arts and culture did something wrong. What's the other one SMMEs that department NYDA? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's NYDA there's uh SNS CETA CETA or whatever they There's all these things that exist, right? And they come and they give reports. Who the hell is getting this money because it's not us. Mm. Right? So for me The conversation that happened this week was extremely important. I mean it, I think it did get overshadowed by international relations <laughs> but the the purpose of it was extremely important that people must know that because i don't know how a kid from soweto is going to start another antelanto mm. without government and I, i let me not say soweto actually that's politically incorrect a child from a lower lsm is going to start another antelanto without government funding right and that same child still also doesn't have the opportunity to go to varsity because 
uh, what's this thing? Narcissus is its own mess or whatever. So we can't, I don't think we need to look at it in parts of departments here. It's everything, guys. We're now. I'll give you an example. The one time our sound guy bombed out and we needed cash flow of 12,000 Rand to get sound. Someone's parent funded that, right? The average South African doesn't have that. Mm. So entrepreneurship for me is like, it becomes so tough and it, and it glamorizes this thing that's going to help you employ people and whatnot, whatnot. But like, you're not giving me the access to funding. So how am I going to do that? Like, mm. as until until we still don't get consistent salaries. Yeah. Because of that cash flow and capital, etc. Because it's so difficult, as opposed to, I mean, I've worked with white agencies who just walk into a bank and say, my surname is Mr. So-and-so. And they just say, no, thank you, Mr. Johannes. Here's your funding. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like mm-hmm. some of the partners I work with in events, we send them to go get funding. This is from sponsorships to whatnot because my face, my gender doesn't allow me to get as much funding as as white people. Yeah. And pricing. You yeah. Know, like suppliers. Um the, the same the same rings true for suppliers as well. A lot of what we need to do to pull off our jobs relies on suppliers who unfortunately are white because we don't have enough black people doing it yet. Mm-hmm. Not to say we don't have black people, we just don't have enough of them. Um, and the pricing that I would get as Sibu Mabena from Duma Collective versus the pricing that person X from Fundamever's corporation will get, it's completely different. Mm. So from a funding perspective, that's one story, but also just being able to execute the job can be hella tricky. So um, to add on to what Jax was saying and to the, the conversation, like, another thing that is a tough reality is access to realistic information. So everybody in high school and university, you hear the story about entrepreneurship can save the world, X, Y, Z. The things, that, the realness that they don't tell you, they tell you the, the top line, like the sugarcoat stuff. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you the, the, the realities of it. And the realities is um, lack of access to funding, lack of access to information that will make this funding thing possible. Because a lot of people say, yeah, no, okay, you, you're running an agency for you doing these things. I'm like, yeah, because I had to go knock and ask someone like, how does this thing work? Because I don't know this thing. And I'm I'm privileged enough, we're all privileged enough, all of us are here because we go to school, we've got these things, but they're not telling us the real juice. They're not telling us the real thing. And you have to knock and you ask people these conversations. So access to information and funding is actually one of the realness of longest things that you will have to learn very quickly when you're in this game. What information do you wish you had before you started? Um, like Jax, <laughs> you, you don't blow your first page. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would ask you, I think, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, and it, it's funny because you, 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 the story is funny, but like the, the, the lesson behind that is like, your first job, wherever you are, well, you'll have like you'll have smaller you know, things that you can you know like seven thousand yen, ten thousand yen, and then you get your first hundred k, and then you're like, okay, now I'm I'm the, I'm the one. Then you go to Sabu and you like low fifty k on it, and then now it's like okay, eight months down the line, your pipeline, your access to money dries out, mm. and then you're like, 
no, if I didn't pull that 50,000 rand, I'll probably have 50,000 rand for this job. So just relax. Yeah, re- relax and reinvest. Like you see those numbers, they, it's not because you're rich now. Now it's like, okay, it's an opportunity to say, what else can we do? So yeah. that's just one of those key things that I wish I, like I was told early on. Yeah. Landa, did you want to add something? Oh, Sue, go ahead. Gosh, I think we all are kind of going to say the same thing. But I, so I'm going to try and look, think about something else for me. I think the biggest thing is just people don't, it's that thing of like people just because of the color of your skin again and because you're this little black female owned or whatever owned agency, you have to constantly pay your dues. So they, they, hit, they play you like that. Oh, you know, um, we're supposed to actually be paying you 30K. But you know what? We're not going to do that because. You know, just um, you being like aligned with our brand is a thing, right? Mm. So it's that thing of just getting these young creatives in it or entrepreneurs in it and just literally try and pay you with that nonsense and just making you feel apologetic for actually saying no. Yeah. Actually, can you pay me my money? Yeah. Here's my quotes. Here's my invoice. So let's just go. So I think that's also been another thing for me. Um, I learned a lot of things whilst I was working. So... I took a job at MTV, and before I did that, I asked my dad because I, no, between working for someone and then working for a big corporate, I said to him, "Should I take this job because I'm doing okay? You know, being a freelancer, I still get to. I'm not owed. No one owns my time." And he said, "Who's going to pay you to learn in this South Africa? Who's going to give you money to learn how it works? Take this job." And I took the job and I learned how to be a client. I started out as a supplier and they asked me to work for them and then I became a client to suppliers. And in that time I was learning, oh, okay, this is how you do a brief so that your supplier doesn't fumble. This is how you negotiate so that your supplier still delivers on what budget you have allocated. This is how you maximize on your budgets. This is how you create efficiencies. This is how you report. This is how you be accountable to people. This is how you deliver on a job because even as a client, you still have to participate in the execution of the job. So what would be really good for people to learn in advance is the the relationship between client and supplier that by any means necessary isn't just something you say it's something you do but how do you push back when you're being exploited mm. without playing the victim and saying and i'm i'm i'm, I'm not um downplaying other people's experiences but in my own experience it's always been no one owes me anything so even when a client takes long to pay Yes, they owe me my money, but I need I need to have learned that these are the rules of engagement when working with a big corporate. Sometimes to become a vendor takes a month. And then after becoming a vendor, you got you need to be able to send the quote. You send the quote, then you get a PO. But to get the PO, the person who is giving you the job, who's a brand manager, has to upload it, then their senior has to release it, then the procurement person must accept, and then finance must release a PO number, then it must go to procurement, then it must go to brand manager, then it comes to you. By that time, three months has passed because the brand manager takes leave this week, they come back, procurement is on leave next week. What? Next thing you know, you're on a 30-day payment term, if not 60 days. So it's taken you two months to get a PO number and then another 30 days to do the job. I mean, to get the money for the job you did long before the PO number came. So there's also the notion, no PO, no work. But then you want the job because 
if you don't do the job, you can't get in so you can qualify for a PO. So it's all of these different things that you learn with each job. And um, you take it case by case, but don't do that which is beyond your means. And don't work without certainty. Take very calculated risks. And that speaks to spending your money on taboo instead of keeping it. I also don't believe in um, working on projections. For me, that's a very uncertain way of doing things. So if you're saying, no, I can spend this 200,000 because someone's funny bunny promised me a job. If that job is not there, you can't spend this 200,000 because what happens if Spunny Bunny goes into a coma tomorrow? Those are some of the realities you've got to think about and contemplate before you make decisions to spend things mm. or to spend money you don't have. Mm. And I think that's information you can't learn in a book, but there are people like us who are experienced who should be sharing this kind of information. And also the way you, you spoke about it, you're speaking more from the, your side. You also have to you also have to prepare the people that you're meant to pay for these situations, right? So after a while of like clients taking 90 days to pay us and then like let's use DJs for example, a DJ saying, yo, I played last week at pajama party, where's my money? We then had to set up our own payment systems. I don't want to like wait for you to wait 30 days when you played at my groove like 30 days ago. I don't want to, but the reality is um, they're going to take me 60 days mm -hmm. so I can at least like try and make a make a make almost and say in my contract for your artists, you play on this day, I pay you 30 days afterwards. If those, daily, if, if those 30 days hit and I still haven't been paid, that's no longer the artist's problem. Yeah. But I've given that leeway so that you're not disappointed now dragging me in the streets uh, until until doesn't pay or whatever, 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 whatever. Do you understand what yeah. I mean? So you also have to set up those types of systems so that you don't end up in hot water because like Sibut says, like that process is gruesome. Mm. Then they'll send you a quote and they say, no, please split the quotes. That's another month of going to procurement and PO and there's like, what I've learned is that clients will do anything and everything to stall a payment. Mm. So you also have to make sure that in on your back end, your system with your suppliers, because your, your, your relationship with suppliers is not just about finding the cheapest suppliers, it's also about the best quality supplier supplier and having longevity with them mm. so for instance our sound guy now because we paid him so well over the years i can literally say yo Carlton, my sponsorship is late can i pay you after event and because he's trusted me and i've always paid him on time etc he knows that i won't flake on him and so it's also about building trust with suppliers as much as you're building trust with delivering to client yeah um actually on that point i think uh, i actually spoke to someone about this the other day so like a lot of these big people or corporates come to you and they have their own payment process or terms and conditions but they can't seem to understand that you also have your own as an entity so it's cool i work with 60 percent up front and 40 after the job so i think for me the biggest thing has also been trying to that i've been trying to navigate is how do i get that across that okay cool how do we get to some sort of compromise without losing the job without losing the job so it's just having the right etiquette as well like you just mentioned previously as well. in in the same breath um 
how, what is a challenge you know in your individual journey that you feel like you've been most proud of overcoming and has been most rewarding like you felt like oh, it was tough it was this thing it was tough but I loved how sort of we, I overcame um, and, and sort of the product that emerged from that yeah I think for me my toughest is besides having to pull off a show like a major festival like without funding like like there's a part of there's a time where I threw a whole festival and everybody was like not paid before they landed mm. and then it comes back to the whole thing of relationships because you 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 build relationships with people and you know they learn and then that happened and I was like okay cool and you made enough money to pay everybody for this job and for the next job so that was cool so the relationship was actually quite important but also one of the biggest things that um, I've come to realize is launching a new brand in a township like township guys like that for me is probably my biggest win that I've as an agency because you understand that in Kukasi, there's, 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 there's psyches, like people think and are exposed to what they know. And when you bring something new, the first question they ask you is, like, what is this? And you have to now build that story, go to clients, say, okay, how do you guys, what do you guys want to do? Okay, Funugene, guys, okay, shop. Let's start scratching that surface and let's start um, educating people about your brand, one and you know give them experiences and that for me is actually a, a big thing because for a long time the township has been an untapped market where it's just consumers but you don't teach people that these are the cool things these are new things that are things that are happening so the ability to move the brand from zero to about like 30 percent 50 percent of um brain retention has actually been a great thing for us as an agency, as a good guy, because that is strong. Like mentally changing someone's psychology is very, very difficult. But yeah. How did you pull that off? Because I know you, you started Picnic Cooling, right? And you managed to get a brand to sponsor eventually. And you're one of the people that was a huge advocate of Amapiano and brands sort of buying into it sort of quite early. Um, what do you think was quite distinctive about how you managed to, to make that happen? I think what's distinctive, and there's also something as an entrepreneur that you need to like learn very early on, is that you live in different worlds. So because you live in that world, it's that, that they've got, it's, it's got its own process. Like the township operates without anybody else. It runs, it moves mm. on its own. So you need to understand that. And then you then need to understand the brand size, the corporate size, uh, how they work, 60 days, 90 days, their entire process and so forth. And then you merge the two. So what we did is we like, okay, we know what, like what was Ekasi what? It will, it's a tough thing to get people from Ekasi to come to a groove that starts at 2 p.m. Like, I think, see, I think, see, we understand. Like, at 2 p.m., people are at home, pre-drinking, relaxing, smoking. Kidding! Kidding! <laughs> you know what they want to do. And then you want them to be at the door at 2. So, we're like, okay, fine. What we're going to do, we're going to use that essekasi and then just layer it with what we want to sell. And then we're like, okay, cool. We are going to do 
this thing is called a picnic because you know why? Because people in the hood don't want to spend at clubs, they want to spend at the bar, they want to do that. So what we're going to do is because we like, because we know that Batan Chile has the cooler box, that's what we're going to do. It's going to be a picnic that you are going to come with your own thing and then we are going to introduce this thing using your life that you want. So you haven't changed, so I don't change what works already works for you. I just bring something new using what you already know. Okay. It takes brands who can understand and accept that um, to then amplify that and not try to change something that works. Because a lot of brands, a lot of people behind brands, um, sorry, a lot of people behind brands try to come in and force their way of doing something. But there's a reason this thing you want to get into works. There's a reason Sunday Roast works because it functions the way it functions and it did before your brand came and it will after your brand leaves. So brand custodians, and I always say brands are not fictitious um, inanimate objects. Brands are made by people Mm. and people with different contexts. So if you're lucky to encounter people who are able to understand you, um, who you can package your product to and be able to explain what you do and why you do it, then you become really fortunate to have a symbiotic relationship that says, this is my property and this is why it works and this is what it can do for you and this is what you can do for me. Um, That's an easy way to sell. And that's, we work together. There's a brand that sponsors his event and we said, Chief, this is what we need to do. Do it. And then we pay him on time, and then he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And then the client says, "Oh, that's nice. Let's do it again." Um, but it, it takes a, a great level of trust and delivery. They said he delivers. If he didn't deliver, we just pull out real quick because it's a if he doesn't deliver, it's a reflection on me as an agency. It's a reflection on the brand manager as client, and they've got people that they need to report to that are like, "How are you spending this money? It's not your father's company, you know." Um, but from an overcoming challenges perspective, I think my biggest one was corporatizing because I know how to do what I do and I built my business around what I do. So everything, every service that we offer is something I can do. If my whole team went on strike tomorrow, which they won't because we love each other, <laughs> but <laughs> if they did, I can pick up on every single person's job because I'm able to inform what we do. And it was very hard to get to a point where clients are able to trust the team and not always want to see me doing the job. And I'm really proud to say today, we've got really great relationships with people who trust Duma Collective mm. and not just Sibu Mabena. Mm. It's the Duma Collective way now and not the Sibu way. And also being able to trust my team to say guys go if you mess up we'll fix it but you've spent enough time with me to see how i do things now let's add your flavor my ancestors your ancestors are all intercepting together because they want to see us both succeed and it's a real thing understanding that we don't just work at a level up here there are things that happen in another world in another realm that inform a lot of these things that we do and if we don't have an understanding of that you stumble along the way and not understand why so it's been building a business that is sustainable and being able to pay people salaries every single month without missing a beat for the past, what, three, four years? Mm-hmm. Paying my rent, <laughs> declaring bonuses every now and then, <laughs> and being able to now move into our own office and refurb it and afford to do that and also not miss on payments. Like when you promise people to pay them, we pay them. Whether or not the client has paid us, we've been very fortunate to have 
cash flow that even when it's like minus minus i pick up the phone and i say hey, i need to borrow a million rand and a friend is able to give it to me tomorrow because a week later i'll give it back to them but it has been a long journey of getting to a place where the business is sustainable mm. well done for that thanks <laughs> and pay my rent on time <laughs> that that's another one yeah <laughs> Okay, pick the challenge um, one. I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, uh, when I created the Creative Woman Hookup, I was very strategic about every, like where I want to see it, how it's going to look like. Um, and I, I think what I'm most proud of is the ecosystem I've managed to build. And then taking all of that and exploiting the connections and the, the, the relationships I've built through it to now open my first store that's an high-end store with some of the most brilliant brands spearheaded by women in like what a few like a year so i think literally a year literally yeah, right so i think that's been like the biggest thing with no funding like with my salary <laughs> of my previous nine to five uh almost said more part 27 boxes that's your job yeah <laughs> so i think that's what i'm most proud of yeah um, I think for for us, and I say us because I'm not one person in that company. For us, it has been trying to convince companies that we don't just down tequila and stand on tables. <laughs> that yeah, that at is bigger than just throwing these amazing parties. So this year, we were intentional in that we were going to make Antalantal an agency. And uh, we managed to get a foot in the door at multi-choice. And we said, by any means, throw it at us. We can do anything, literally. We walked in there, we said, whatever you guys need, we can do it. Mm. Um, In the past month or so, we've done like four projects, going into like minus 100,000 in the account. Um, All this crazy stuff happening, but everything was executed mm. and I mean we we, we dumbasses and Demiso decides that he's just going to convince the client that he can build a train for like a, sh- for a showcase and then client's like oh my god this is amazing yes build a train and then it's like fuck <laughs> how the hell am I going to build a train yeah but by any means um, so yeah I think for me our biggest accomplishment this year has been transcending from going from this events company run by these like just seven Joburg party people to like now being able to walk into a multi-choice and be like yeah whatever you guys need I can do it and then believing that we can do it and not going under in the process like still being able to sustain like Sibu said parent like we don't have salaries that are consistent but every month my rent is paid my credit cards are paid Edgar's account so yeah i think that's been just the transition from more events company to now full full-fledged full agency. agency yeah lovely um so being an entrepreneur is notorious notoriously known as being something that is can be a lonely experience but you've all touched in different ways on how much teamwork and collaboration that you've sort of all had um in in your journeys what do you think are some of the best kinds of collaborations and joint ventures that entrepreneurs can enter into to ensure that you're not always doing something alone and delivering alone so i have this i have this idea that black people specifically 
tend to want to work alone, mm. right? So I'll give you an example of a company called Devault, Battalion, and one other company. Those companies, if there's a production there, those are the three companies working because those people have decided that whatever job it is, whether Sivuma Bena gets it or someone else gets it, the three of us will be working on it. And I think the moment we decide, I don't think it's about a specific joint venture, I think it's about all, all joint ventures or all business opportunities. If you realize you do not have the capacity to do it, let's say, or in, in an opposite way, if you realize that you would grow more if you added someone else on, we would get further away because you walk into a briefing and there's these three black companies together and let's say four white companies and you hear people saying, if you don't get it, if I get it and you don't, I'm going to put you on. And you're like, hmm. But here, us, the rest of us are saying, oh, how did your pitch go? Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> that, that's it. And then we're done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So my biggest thing is, I don't think there's a specific joint venture that uh, entrepreneurs can go into, but understand the power of collaboration and how white people have been doing it for longer. And then and that our skills can be shared like amongst us instead of all of us trying to be like the only guy in the room, the only black company or the only guy who does this. It's, it's futile, it's pointless. You're not going to get anywhere. There's space for all of us. Yeah, really. Um, I've been a dot connector for a very long time. I've been, <clears throat> sorry, I've been doing a lot of, hey, this person has A, you've got B, let's make ABC. But what I've learned along the way is it's very hard for people to prioritize projects that aren't important to them in that moment. So also um, when you do go into collaborations or joint ventures, set the expectations to be very clear from the get-go. What do you expect from this relationship? Yes, I brought the client. You execute this, I execute this. Or... Um, these are my strengths, these are your strengths. Because also, as sevens, we don't have the same work ethic, we don't have the same rapport, we don't have the same experience, we don't have the same knowledge, we don't have the same skills. So sometimes it's possible to spend time teaching the people you're working with all of the things you know and learning from them. But sometimes, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And I think we must be fine with that um, because so we try to force issues in the spirit of not being the only black. Sometimes be the only black, get it right, learn things, and then go and tell the other blacks and say, when you get there, this is what to look out for. Don't be ashamed of that. And I can say this because I'm sitting on a high horse and it's a high horse because I work with so many different people. I've got a big business awards happening on Thursday. I've partnered with an agency that's been in the game for 10 years, black owned. But I've also had to be very honest with them to say, the client came to me. So allow me to be business development. We're all gonna come into the room. You're gonna speak to client, work directly, but don't expect me to be as involved as what you're going to be because I've done the groundwork. I've done the legwork, please execute. And it becomes clear to client that this is a joint venture. Here's a joint venture agreement. So you also know and understand what game we're playing. So it's, it's learning how to play the game, um, working under different rules because the goalpost also keeps shifting. Mm -hmm. 
today you're working with until until tomorrow until until's client is a competitor to one of your other clients so stop the relationship and it's fine and you work on this and you finish it then you go on to do your work so also ubuntu kills black people a lot we say that but I've heard it being said and I understand it now because we're always trying to kumbaya at the expense of doing the work. So sometimes just have discernment on who to work with and on what. Don't just because. I think, um, yo, you guys, yo, <laughs> hi, you guys, eh? It's two not opposing views, but views it's that can balance. work. Yeah, you've got to balance it out. Work with people, but also be strategic about who you work with and why. Yes, you must learn to choose a kami pairs. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I'd, I'd like to take it on a, on a, a practical level. Um, when you decide to do something and you go and say, okay, I'm doing this industry, this is what I'm going to do. So I think some of us, we're in a creative space, and I'll speak to the venting side, is you need to do the research and understand your your train, um, your pipeline, and where you fit in the pipeline. So I'm so we do creative, we do ideas, and then we execute, right? But then I need to understand exactly who do I who do I need in order for this thing to come alive. So I need a supplier that does sound, I need someone who does fencing. So there's a relationship that I need to understand and I need to build that. Then I go, okay, cool. Five steps back. Um, who is a person that's, that makes decisions? So understand your your value chain, understand your value chain in the work that you do and how you can add value. And also the person before you and the person next to you. Because this thing of, a lot of people say, as long as I can do my work, I'm happy. And then, so one up humbly, whatever. It, that thing doesn't work. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you're not doing six jobs in one. So if the mm. sound guy doesn't deliver, you do it by any means necessary. And you know what the sound looks like. If they say, I want, DJ say they want CDJs 2000, you need to be able to know what. Yeah, <laughs> this is a 350. I can't play with a 350. I want the 2000. It affects your delivery and it affects how you look to client. So you need to learn those things. Go beyond what you do as an entrepreneur. And then go back. Okay, I didn't know that it was like 90 days, all these things. Hey, what, 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 what? Okay, go learn. Go find someone who's at the top. We're like, okay, it's like, Chief, how do I get a sponsorship from you? Eh? Please tell me. And then you'll, they'll tell you. So you go beyond what you do as just throwing these great ideas, but you learn your value chain. And that's the relationships that are very key in executing your work. And we, we, learn, we learn all of these things at home and at school. That's why we do group projects. In a group, there's always that one girl, Oshala Kula, or Gubernalo, my dog ate my homework if you went to white schools, or Gubernalo, no, my mom said, and then there'll be the overachiever who's just like, okay, everyone just like give everything to me and I'll do it myself. All of that experience you have, with the there's cousins that are there to peel, there are those that are there to wash dishes, then there are those that just come on the day, makeup, and you're like, how sweet. But they all contribute to the the eventuality of the project, right? It's it's part it's all part of the system. So if you can understand what role you play when you do decide to collaborate with people, 
again set expectations and then deliver on what you said you were going to do so i'll give an example with this event that we're doing on thursday payments had to be made to suppliers last week client hadn't paid I'm client services. So if I say client says they'll pay on Thursday, then they don't pay on Thursday. It's not my business partner's problem. I said there'll be money on Thursday to pay these people. I had to beg from Peter to pay Paul. And then the client paid on Friday. I can't now make it my partner's problem because my end of this deal is to make the payments. Their end of the deal is to bring the suppliers, bring the invoices, get the job done, present to the client, etc. So know what role you're playing and don't be a steering because you brought the job, now everybody else is your minion. No, understand the relationship where a sound person is a supplier. If they're coming on as a partner, treat them as that. If they're coming on as a supplier, treat them as that. Network podcast by Ross Studios. The Hive Network in Johannesburg. Together for the win.